This week, I'm super excited to have a young trendsetter in this industry, um, an entrepreneur that had the courage to take a bold leap forward, uh, start her own shop uh, with no business experience, like most everybody in the collision world, I guess, but a vision and a passion for fixing cars has now gained national recognition uh, as not only a top-notch restoration shop that does beautiful work, uh, but also does that with an all-female crew. Welcome to the Mind Wrench Podcast with your host, Rick Sellover, where minor adjustments produce major improvements in mindset, personal growth, and success. This is the place to be every Monday, where we make small improvements and take positive actions in our business and personal lives that will make a major impact in our success, next-level growth, and quality of life. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Mind Wrench Podcast. This weekly show is the personal and professional development podcast designed primarily for those serving the automotive repair industry, where we share simple yet effective strategies with personal and practical insights on mindset, self-improvement, and leadership that anyone can use for a more successful shop and a next-level life. I'm your host, Rick Silover. Thanks so much for tuning in and spending a few minutes with me today. I truly hope you find something of value here. If you haven't done so already, and you really like what I'm sharing here, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss another episode. And make sure you share this podcast with others, because when you share the show, the show grows, and I get to help more people. And that's why I do this podcast. This week, I'm super excited to have a young trendsetter in this industry, um, an entrepreneur that had the courage to take a bold leap forward, uh, start her own shop uh, with no business experience, like most everybody in the collision world, I guess, but a vision and a passion for fixing cars has now gained national recognition uh, as not only a top-notch restoration shop that does beautiful work, uh, but also does that with an all-female crew. So with that, uh, Hillary Noick, the owner-operator of Ink and Iron Automotive, is my very special guest today. Hillary, welcome to the Mind Wrench Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I know it took a little to get us uh, put together, but uh, I'm glad we did. Yes, um, yes. So a lot of people that will see this probably already know about you, but there's going to be a lot that um, I'm hoping there's a lot that see this that don't know anything about you or what you do or what's all the buzz about uh, ink and iron, right? So if you don't mind, if you just give me a little background on your uh, on your journey from where you started, uh, how you got your passion for fixing cars in the first place. And I know you did some, uh, some time in the uh, technical college, uh, both training and, and teaching. And uh, why don't you just give us a little uh, little update on how that went? Yeah, so I guess um, my journey started back when I was uh, 17 years old. So I was, I guess, a bit of a rebellious kid, and I kept getting grounded. So the punishment would <laughs> so take away my car, like, oh, you can't drive. So, you know, me being, I guess, like a hard-headed teenager, I'm like, that's fine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go buy my own car. So... I pawned like everything I owned, which was like a book collection and really nothing. And I, I got a thousand dollars and I bought myself uh, a 1970 Oldsmobile. And yeah. obviously at that price, it was kind of a turd. So, you yeah. know, living in Canada, we deal with a lot of like 
road salt, so rusty cars. Um, it was a little bit kind of deteriorated. And at the same time, I was in my grade 12 year of high school. I was done all my credits. I needed to graduate. So I thought to myself, you know, hey, I, I like cars. This is cool. I want to learn how to make this car look nice. And there was an auto body shop close to where my parents live. And I went in there and I asked if they'd be willing to take me on as a high school co-op student. And they did. And I had, I had such a great experience. They kind of just threw me right into the mix. And like, I was just hooked. I was like, this is awesome. I love everything about this. And that I was 17 years old and I'm 37 now. And I've, I've never left the industry. So I started there here in Canada. We have an apprenticeship program. You need to get um, like a license to be able to do auto body work. So that involves uh, working hours um, I ended up doing most of my apprenticeship. I moved to Toronto. I worked for a really big collision shop called 427 Auto Collision. It's about 100,000 square feet. We pump out, I think, like 100 cars a week. Wow. In but like really, really high production, very high-end shop. Um, really blessed to work there. And then when I was working there, one of the teachers that I had had when I was in trade school asked if I wanted to come and shadow him and take over his night class for auto body that he had been teaching so that's kind of how I got my start uh, in the college was doing a night class for auto body but like geared towards hobbyists which was it was it was really cool like I, I still keep in touch with some of the students but it was also very very intimidating because I feel like I was probably around 25 or 26 uh -huh. at that time so some of the guys taking these classes are like 60 year old guys and they're you know they're looking at me like really you're gonna you're gonna teach me how to fix a car Who's the young chick trying to teach me how to fix cars? Right? Yeah. Uh, but that then led into, uh, you know, a semester of doing full time with the auto body apprentices, which was also a really great learning experience um, for me as well. But I guess backing up, I, I had always known from the time that I started, like, I want to have my own shop one day. And I was kind of thinking, you know, but there's so many shops out there. What's really going to make mine? different and unique from all the other ones out there and at the same time when I first started in this industry like there was no really any social media like there wasn't Facebook or Instagram or or a way for me to really like connect with other women in this trade so I was the only the only woman all three levels of my trade school I, I never worked with another female tech until probably I want to say like 10 years in to my um you know working life I guess so right I to meet more and more women getting into this trade and I, you know I've been super fortunate that I I've had a very great experience I've been lucky to work at some awesome shops I had a great co-op experience I feel like I was so passionate about this trade that anytime someone you know was like hey you should be in the kitchen I'm just like ha 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 whatever like it just kind of like fueled my fire to, yeah. to really do this but um you know meeting women and hearing their stories of how like yeah I really wanted to do this but no one gave me a chance or I was told I would be a distraction in the workplace or I was forced to quit because I was facing harassment and had no one to, to turn to about it. That's what really inspired me to open a shop that was women owned and operated to kind of, you know, first of all, I guess like show women like, yeah, you can, you can do this. Like there's no reason why this job, it shouldn't be co-ed. Right. And that's what I always tell guys, like, isn't it more fun to have a work environment where it's, it's guys and girls. Like, do you yeah. want it to be, sausage fest all the time yes, absolutely. <laughs> have you ever looked in the mirror and said to yourself how come i'm not further along than this or why can't i ever seem to get ahead are you frustrated with life unsure of your future wanting to make a change in your current situation but too scared to make that next move 
Maybe you want to reach that next level in life or in your business, but not sure what the right move is. Or maybe you feel the best thing to do is nothing at all. Many of you may not know, but along with hosting my own weekly podcast, I'm a personal development, mindset, business, and life coach, where I focus on helping people with self-development, mindset, and how to make positive changes in their lives. And trust me, with all the negativity we've had to deal with these past two years, I think we all need some positivity, a positive change, and a fresh approach to our life or our business in 2022. Sometimes, talking to the right person can make all the difference. If you really want to start making those changes in your life, take action right now. Reach out and email, text, call, or direct message me as soon as possible. Do it right now. I'll set you up with a free consultation call and pre-qualify you for either the one-on-one or business coaching that you really need to get your life or your business on the right track to success. Appointments are available right now. So how did you get the awesome crew that you have? Because you have some really talented girls on your team. I looked at all the bios. I've seen the work that you guys have done. And did they all come in like one at a time as like, you know, this person just kind of rolled into your life at the right time or did you, you know, advertise for these for these uh, ladies or how did that work out where you got the, the crew that you got now? It's honestly like my crew is just really kind of developed organically. So, um, you know, when I first started, I had um, a couple girls that were my students, actually, when I was teaching at Centennial. And I've had a couple girls who I took on as like newbies that have left and gone out into the industry. And like little Kim, my painter, she's since come back. Um I have a great like roster of girls who work for me full-time, work for me part-time. And um, let me see, who do I have right now? So Brianna was my co-op student. So because I, that's how I got my start, I'm big on um, having co-op students as well. So she was a co-op student. I hired her on uh, full-time. Little Kim started working for me, I think part-time in like 2017, transitioned to full-time, left to go do some collision work, um, estimating, and then has since come back. And then... Uh, Nicole, who's my detailer, mm-hmm. she was actually, I think she was a bartender and then she ended up getting, she wanted to work in a shop, but was told like, no, just like office work, office work. And that's, you know, she had kind of found us through social media. So that's how I found her. But I, I find like, I think because of like our social media presence, like I never really have a shortage of like resumes or, or people like applying. And I always say like, I, w- I wish I was a billionaire and could just like employ everyone. <laughs> <laughs> hey. You know, you're just getting started. You never know. So this, you never know. Yeah. This, this path could lead in a lot of different directions. So you are getting girls and women through your social media uh, presence that you have, right? You're getting a lot of interest. So I was going to add, that's one of the, one of the things I was going to ask you about is, is how's that social media campaign played into, you know, not only how busy your shop is getting, but how much uh, inspiration that you're providing to all these other young girls that are thinking, you know, I kind of like cars, but I don't know if I should work in a shop or not. Right. So is it, I mean, you, are you getting a lot of girls that come to you with that kind of, uh, Hey, you know, what do you think? How, how do I do this? Yeah. I get that asked that a lot. It's just kind of like, how do I get my foot in, in the door? So, and often it's like, it might be a girl who's facing, you know, parents who don't really like support the career choice or, they they like cars but they don't have any experience so uh, yeah I get, I get asked that a lot it's like how like how do I start where where do I start how do I get into this so um and I've also like I've I've actually created because I got asked that question so many times I, I've created a private Facebook group called um, auto body gals 
for women only in like auto body and automotive trade. So I just, I refer them to that group because, you know, I'm just a singular person. I can give you advice based on my experience, but I figured like lumping this whole group of women in there, you're going to get different opinions. And if I can connect women, you know, in the same state or province and like they have someone to talk to, that's like, that's amazing for me. That's awesome. That's a great idea. So if you, uh, when we're done, I'll make sure I get the, the link for that. Not that I'll be able to check it out, but I'll provide the link. So if other girls, other women that are listening to this, um, they can go check that out. That sounds like an awesome idea. Yeah. Thanks. Just kind of like, I call it just like, you know, a space where you can ask questions that maybe are like more specific to like what it's like to be a, to be a woman in this trade. So it's a great group full of important advice. You know, and quite honestly, listen, it, I'm obviously baby boomer generation, right? But I'm not old school thinking, but I will tell you there's a lot of there's a lot of men in this industry that are still a little old school, a little Neanderthal in their thinking, right? And I think that's what's kept a lot of women from feeling comfortable in this trade. And it is transitioning. It's getting better. I, I see it more and more every day. But I'm telling you, as, as the shortage, the labor shortage that everybody has talked about for the past two years, continues yeah. to be a problem and, and one of the biggest in, uh, problems in our industry. Listen, I don't care what color, what skin, how many parts you have or don't have. I mean, if you have a passion for working and you like working on cars, man, it's wide open. There's so much money to be made in, in the collision and, and restoration and auto repair industries. And I think a lot of people and a lot of women too, that just don't understand what's available out there and how badly we need people. You know, I, I really think, you know, things that you're doing and I think social media, you know, for all the bad things social media has, there's some really cool things about it that you just can't deny. Right. So, uh, being able to connect with the whole world and send messages out through the whole world, it's pretty powerful. Hopefully that'll help the cause that, uh, that I see in this industry that's a just massive problem right now and uh, gives you that opportunity to be super inspirational and, and uh, light up some other girls that might want to that might want to do that. I think it's awesome. Yeah. I really do. I really do. Thank you. Speaking of social media, your posts are really good. <laughs> they're entertaining. Uh, they're <laughs> funny. And they're pretty down to earth and real, which I like. Another great thing about social media is you can you can tell things just how they are, right? Have you gotten any backlash from any of it? Or has it all been positive feedback and more people looking to do business with Ink and Iron? Um, I, I feel like, I think like my shop is, is, it's kind of like a polarizing topic in a way. So I'll, I find, you know, if I post something where it's like a photo of all of us, you'll always get those guys that will come on and say like, oh, what do you mean? Like a guy can't work there. This is like discrimination. And I'm like, oh, so now you know what it's like not to be included. Like, this is what, this is what we deal with every day. Like now, you know, right. And I get, you know what? I get a lot of flack for like swearing sometimes on my post. I'm like, listen, I'm like, I am who I am. Right. Like yeah. I, if I'm passionate about something, I'm going to drop an F bomb. Like I always say, you know, I can only be me, right. Like yeah. I can only be myself. I, I can't be anything other than, than me. And I think like social media, um, like I, my God, I feel bad for like kids, young kids growing up with all this social pressure to look perfect, to be perfect, to have a perfect yes. life. Like that's not real. Like I'm going to show you what's real. 
Like people look at, at me as a business owner, like, wow, it's so glamorous. You own a business. You get to work on these cool cars, but there's this whole other side where it's like, yeah, but you don't see me scrubbing the toilet. Like right. it's, not, it's not always like glamorous and life, like that's not real life. So I think like what people need to just share more of like their struggles and, and what they're going through and just keep the conversation like really authentic. Like we don't really see much of that. You're right. Authenticity, authenticity is, um, is really is one of the great things about social media is you can be authentic and real and, and it's okay. Uh, you can swear. I mean, listen, I, I, some of the most, you know, successful people that, uh, have been on social media, uh, you know, drop F bombs all the time. I mean, realistically, it's, it's just how it is anymore. You watch any TV show that used to be just, you know, regular TV, and, you know, they're just short of dropping F-bombs on TV anymore. So it's really, it's, it, who gives a shit? It's not really a big deal. But I think authenticity is a big deal. It really is. So if you're trying to, if you're trying to pose every picture, like you guys are, are glamorous and, uh, you know, it's nothing but fun working at a body shop and you don't get dirty. I mean, <laughs> it would be bullshit and everybody would call it as bullshit, right? So right. no, I, I like yours because you're, you're realistic and. And uh, you tell people how it is. And you guys have some fun with it, which is cool. So We do. Got to have fun. All right. I'm done talking about social media. People are going to think I'm a nut. That's, uh, it just, it's an interesting topic. So. It is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get down to uh, some, some business stuff here. So you started your own business. Um, you went in on your own, bootstrapped 20 grand off of crowdfunding, right? To get your first yes. building. How was that? Yes. Was that? Was that scary as hell or what? Yeah, that was, um, that was, it was pretty crazy. I guess it's like, you know, it's, it's easy to like sit there and just say, I'm going to start a business and do all the planning. But then that, like, there comes that moment that like, where you actually have to take the jump, right? Where it's like, okay, I, I, I can't wait any longer. I've done all, you know, the, the planning and pen to paperwork that I can. Um, so taking that, that leap was, was pretty, was pretty scary. Yeah. And I guess like i it really got kind of an overwhelming response. Like I was saying, it was, it was really like polarizing, which I think gained it a lot of attention. Cause I, I was lucky in the way that my Indiegogo campaign got a lot of media coverage. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, when I opened up, I, I had, I kind of already had like a little bit of a customer base. Like people were like, this is really cool. I'm going to bring my car here. And then there was people saying like, this is like trash. This is garbage. Like this is the dumbest idea ever. So, you know, just learning like, Cause I think, you know, when you're like the normal person going on your everyday life, like you don't really get bombarded with all that negativity until you really like put yourself out there. And so just mm -hmm. learning, like, cause I feel like I'm such a like nice, happy go lucky person. Like I don't, I try not to say anything bad about anyone. So just getting that whole like flood of like people making assumptions on you from what they've seen were like, that was like a lot to deal with. And I think like, like my skin is thickened like a solid three inches. <laughs> being a business owner you got a nice bondy crust now so, yeah sweet <laughs> um i mean the name you have for your business is just badass right <laughs> ink and iron i mean it's just it evokes some images right how did you come up with the name did, did you have that in your head like as soon as you wanted to open your business you knew what you're going to call it or it just kind of dawned on you I was probably in my early twenties and I used to love to read like the, I get like those tattoo magazines. And I remember I got one and I was flipping through the pages and there was this full like page ad of a festival down in, I think it was County. 
and the festival was called Ink and Iron, and they had these, like, cool old hot rods, and these pinup girls, and all this, like, tattoo art, and I was like, this, this embodies, like, everything I love, I'm like, when I get a shop, it's going to be Ink and Iron, we're going to do cars, and we're going to do tattoos. Oh, no kidding. I was going to, yeah. yeah, and I was going to ask you, how did, so how did the tattoos play into being part of the business? Because you guys have an actual tattoo parlor within your shop, right? We do, which kind of scares a lot of people at first until they see, um, like the way my shop is configured is there was just this, I guess, like separate office. So it has its own outside entrance. It's completely sealed off from the rest of the shop, probably about like a 500 square foot room. And that, that is our in-house tattoo studio. And Alex, our artist, she, you know, during COVID where she wasn't like tattooing was shut down here. Cause I'm in Canada and everything was on lockdown for like two oh, years, yeah. but yeah. So she could tattoo she's going crazy so she was like volunteering in the shop and like helping us with like car things and she's also into cars so it's just kind of like a perfect fit and uh yeah so she's got her own little studio within our shop so you can't smell the urethane clears from inside the tattoo parlor you cannot it's completely sealed it's very clean <laughs> wow i really can't believe i'm coming up on my 100th episode of the mind ranch podcast Man, I'm really humbled and grateful to be doing something that provides some value to others and feels so right. So, to help celebrate the major milestone in my journey, I thought a little promotion was needed. A way for some of you to win something for just being a listener, a little thank you for supporting me and helping me promote the show. I'll keep this nice and simple. Although this show has been listened to in over 1,100 cities, there are very few ratings and reviews on Apple and Spotify. And quite honestly, most people don't rate or review because they don't realize it actually makes a difference to the exposure of the show. They don't realize that it counts or that it helps. The more ratings and reviews I get, the more the algorithms in Apple and Spotify will show it to new listeners and expand the reach of my messages to more people with our industry. That's where you come in. I'm asking for your help in growing the show. When you rate and review the podcast, it ends up in more social media feeds as something they might be interested in. So to help celebrate, I'm giving away some sweet MindWrench Podcast swag. I got a beautiful Callaway Bird's Eye Polo Dry Tech Golf shirt in a nice bright blue embroidered with the MindWrench logo. I'm also going to give away a $50 Amazon gift card and a handful of some cool MindWrench coffee mugs. I'm also going to do some random shout-outs on one of my shows. And who knows, I may even read your review right on the show. How do I enter this contest or this giveaway? Well, there's four easy steps. Okay, so here we go. Number one, on your phone, listen to the MindWrench podcast on Apple or Spotify. Number two, leave a five-star rating and type a short review. Number three, take a screenshot of your rating and review and share it on one of my Facebook or Instagram sites. And be sure to include the hashtag MindWrench100. Number four, keep enjoying the MindWrench podcast. I'll announce winners after the release of my 100th episode. And the contest starts right now. I'll leave the links to my social media sites in the show notes where you can post your screenshot to enter the contest. Uh, I mean, do you guys have a good um, tattoo business? I mean, is it is it uh, gained popularity or is it just kind of, you know, you get a couple people a week or a couple people a day and steady? It's so, <laughs> Alex spent, a, you know, a lot of time kind of renovating it. And right when she was ready for her opening was when uh, the pandemic started. So it was like, because we've been, we were pretty much like two years consistent of like lockdown. So like she wasn't able to tattoo. And in that time she decided, she's like, well, I'm going to go enroll myself in a program in school because, you know, this is kind of 
showed me that I need a backup skill. So she's actually been taking a welding and fabrication two-year program at a community college because mm-hmm. because of tattooing. Like um, the first time she picked up a TIG welder, she's like welding aluminum like a pro, right? So yeah. um, she's really interested in that. So she's been doing that kind of full-time. It's a condensed two-year program. And so she's her tattoo time right now is limited to like Saturdays and Sundays, but she graduates uh, April of this year sorry, April of next year. I don't even know what month it is. And uh, then she'll be like on it kind of like full-time tattooing and like balancing in between her tattooing, doing uh, shop stuff. Okay, cool. Yeah. I thought just in the meantime, she just does everybody in the crew. Yeah. <laughs> you can practice. <laughs> yeah. Like what if we were like underground, like tattoo ring for like friends. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even don't want to ask this, but I'm going to ask, is there a downside to having an all-female shop from your perspective in the automotive world? working on really nice cars. I've heard some of your stuff, some of your rants, and so I get it, but just kind of maybe share with the rest of the world uh, what those downsides might be, because I got to imagine there's probably a couple, so. Yeah, I would think like, like I think in one of my posts, um, so my husband actually, like my shop is subdivided, so when COVID started, he made the move, so he takes up like the back half of my shop, um, so he does like coach building, like, um, English wheeling and all that stuff. So he oh, doesn't cool. do body, but if, you know, if we're talking about something and a customer comes in, they'll just like automatically go to him. Right. And they're they, right. they, they talking to him and he's like, Hey, th- like, this is her shop. Like, this is the paint and body shop. Like talk, this is my wife, talk to my wife. And sometimes like, they'll still just kind of like go on with him. And he's always like our biggest supporter. He's like, I don't do paint and body work. Like talk to the girls. Right. <laughs> the girls. So I think like. I think it definitely in the beginning, there was a lot of comments like, oh, you know, this is all for show. This is just a front. Like there's probably men behind the scenes, like actually doing the work for them. But I feel like now, like seven years into it, I'm starting to get people will come in into the shop and they'll say, oh, you know, so-and-so referred me here. I have an old car and we'll chat about their car. And then they kind of like look around and they're like, oh. That like it's all ladies like that's cool it's almost become like the afterthought which to me is like it that's a really good feeling it's like they're coming here because because of our work and the fact that we're all women is just kind of like um like an after thought of that so right. yeah and I, I think now like enough time has passed that people are like okay this is a legit thing like this isn't just like a gimmicky thing that's it's just gonna like go away in a few months it's like no we're here we're getting consistently better like we're here to be one of the best. Right. Well, quite honestly, I mean, all somebody has to do is take a look at one or two of the jobs that you guys have done. I mean, you do beautiful work. I mean, and, and I've seen that you guys are very detailed in, in how you do your restoration. And I've been around this industry for a long enough time. And I've seen lots of restoration shops and I know how much work it is to restore a car. It's, it's a lot. And the, Oh my God. And then the finish, obviously I'm being an ex painter. I always look at the finish because that's what everybody sees, but I know how much work it is to make that finish look like that and to get everything else to that point where you can do that. Um, yeah, that's that's not a that's not a scam. That's not a show for anybody. I mean, you can't you couldn't get anybody to do that for a show. So um, and I almost feel like because we're women, it's like sometimes people will oh, this shop paint my car all ladies and then it's like now people want to go and like look at it with a magnifying glass to almost find a reason to say like see this is why women can't do it so i always tell the girls like hey listen 
there's still a bunch of people that doubt us. So our work needs to be like top notch. Like there's really not a lot of room for error because there's a lot of people that are waiting for us to make those errors and we'll be there to pick them out when we do. No, I get it. Having no business background when you started the shop, like most independent shop owners have had, right? What's been most challenging to learn uh, through all of it? Um, probably like a work-life balance. That's been a huge thing for me is, um, and I feel like <laughs> if I didn't have my husband, Dan, who's like, right behind me, um, kind of like balancing me out, I would just, I would like work all the time. Like I, my mind is like work, work, work. I would work, you know, from seven to like midnight and just like not be able to shut my mind off and like give myself the break. But like just learning that, like, you can't give your best work if, if you've exhausted yourself and like you need to take time for like your own sanity and your own mental health. And I think like as a business owner, learning to like prioritize yourself and your mental health is like, it's really hard because, you know, I try not to work Sundays. Like if I have to go and finish up something, I will, but I really try not to. And it's, it's hard to like sit and relax and just like chill and be in the moment without being like, well, oh, I, I could go and like polish this or I could go sand this. Yep. <laughs> But like, like you're work. wasting time sitting there on the couch for 15 minutes, right? Yeah. Like I, in the beginning, like there, there was nights where I've worked myself to the point of like making myself physically sick, like throwing up. So I'm so exhausted and I've worked such a long day and it's yes. like that, like that's not sustainable. Right. So, um, just learning that, like, and I guess in that same sense, like not over promising things to customers where you know, you could be like, okay, your car will be done on Saturday. And then maybe that's an unrealistic timeline. And now you're working like crazy late hours to make that deadline that you promised where it's like, no, let me, your car's going to be done when it's done. I'm going to take my time to, to make it right. Because putting deadlines and rushing things, especially in the restoration world, like it's just kind of a recipe for disaster. Absolutely. I, well, I would agree with that. You know, mental health and wellness and taking care of yourself is, is paramount. I mean, if, because if you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to be able to do anything for anybody else. You won't be able to run a good right. business. You won't be able to do quality work. Uh, so I'm glad you're you're finding uh, how to do that. So do you have any uh, th- anything special you do? Any hobbies? Any uh, routines? Uh, exercise? Power drinking? You know what? What have you found that that helps you de-stress and kind of find your peace before you go back to work the next day or the next Monday or whatever? I do. So I actually, I do work out. I get up um, Monday to Friday and I do like 20 to 30 minutes of like some sort of exercise, whether it's yoga or like some cardio. So I just do like little home workouts, which um, for me is like huge for like, for, for my mental health. It helps. Like it sucks to get up and to exercise, but you do feel yes, better. <laughs> you have more energy. That um, I, I also like, I eat really well. I try to eat pretty healthy. I drink a lot of water. And then Sundays I'm like, you know, I'm big into like gardening. Like I love plants. I got a ton of plants. So awesome. <laughs> usually just like that. And then, um, you know, my husband and I will maybe go take a walk out in a park, like just kind of, um, get out into nature, just being, being out and like not in a confined environment. Like we have a great day. So we'll go for a walk or I really just try not to do a lot on my day off other than just like be around my house and be outside and yeah, that's that's awesome, and I'm much the same. I, you know, I feel best when I'm connected to nature somehow, whether I'm outside, uh, just yeah. walking or doing something outside. I don't care if it's mowing the grass or you know fixing something outside or whatever. Right. Just, you know, that's why I'm in Michigan, so I'm not far from you guys. So you know, when it's winter time, it sucks because 
it's not fun going outside when it's 15 or 20 degrees and snow or slush or whatever, right? So uh, I, I really enjoy this time of year when you could be out every single day, right? Same, yep. So no, I'm glad you found you found some things to to help you de-stress because quite I mean, seriously, it's it's such a um such a big problem with our industry and a lot of other industries is is you know, after the past couple of years of COVID and all that shit that followed it. Um, you know, mental health is a, is a major problem with a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people. So, yeah. Yeah. And even, you know, I, I feel like there's still a lot of like pressure where it's like, if you're sitting at home and you want to watch like a Netflix series, it's like society tells us like, there's so much better things you could be doing with your time. Like you're lazy, you're watching TV. Right. And it's like, so it's hard. Yeah. It's really hard to just like do these little things that are actually like beneficial for you. Like you want to go binge watch a series on Netflix on a Sunday. Like that's absolutely your prerogative. If that de-stresses you and makes you happy, like do it. You don't need right. to be doing something every single second. No, I listen, I, I would agree. And I, I think the way the world is, and you know, back again, social media and the, um, the falseness of, you know, everybody's lives that they want to post, like everything's great. And I'm always doing something. I'm always going, you don't always have to be doing something. Your body needs to be resting. It needs to just sit there and do nothing sometimes or read or just, you know, listen to music yeah. or whatever. And, and people can, you know, they should not be afraid to do that. It's, you're not doing something wrong. You're doing something actually really right for yourself. So, uh, something else I was thinking about was, um, you know, you definitely are inspiring other young ladies in the auto repair industry. Have you thought about, you know, opening up at some point, maybe some kind of mentorship program uh, for women or, or being part of something like that? Because you're probably getting more and more traction without even knowing it uh, on how many people you do affect in a positive way. Or have you had girls uh, or ladies ask you to help mentor them and get them through the gate into automotive repair and maybe, you know, do some sessions with them or, you know, talk to them a couple times a month or so, anything like that? Or I did, um, like pre COVID, I started something that I called shop Saturdays where I opened up the shop to women of like all ages, any experience level, just come out on a Saturday, like bring some work clothes and just jump into whatever we've got going on at the shop. And I had a couple of like my girls come out, like more experienced girls come out and, yeah, we did that probably like a couple months. So it was neat. There was like probably, you know, a lady in her sixties and then a, a dad brought his daughter who was like 13. So that was like mm -hmm. kind of cool. So they can kind of just, you know, like a day in the life of like what, what goes on in a shop and, uh, you know, ask their questions in a very like organic way whilst like learning some, some skills. So I'm, I'm definitely planning to bring that back like this fall. Awesome. What's uh what's the future look like for uh for Hillary and for Ink and Iron? Um are you looking to just continue to grow the business that you have? Are you thinking of maybe opening up other shops, uh, franchising it or something, or uh something bigger than that? Honestly, like it's something I go back and forth with all all the time. Um and I don't think I really have a definite answer. I think um like one thing that I learned with COVID is like I thought I had a clear idea of where I wanted to go but life can just throw you a curveball so just kind of like learning I guess like for me I often feel like I'm, I'm too over ambitious like I want to go do all these things right now but just learning to like slow down and kind of let things develop organically so yeah I mean like having more locations is definitely on on my radar I, I do get asked from women kind of all over North America saying like I wish there was something like this 
in in my area and then at the same time I look at the whole kind of classic car industry as a dying market so maybe making it something that's more inclusive of both men and women and just you know a way of keeping the passion alive we'll see right now it's just kind of day by day working on growing my my business that I have here locally and uh, see where that takes us that's awesome. It was it was a no pressure question. I was just curious. So it's, you don't yeah. have to do anything grand. You don't have to have you know fifty locations. Uh, it's just it's funny. A lot of business owners, you know, as soon as they get successful at one thing, they go, "Hmm, I should open that second shop. I really should get three shops." You know, it's like sometimes you're almost better just having that one shop, right? Yeah, and like honestly, like my view on that, I think maybe because I'm a Gemini, but like it changes day to day, right? Like some days. Like I'm on top of the world. I'm like, this is great. Like I'm going to, I'm going to go have like 20 locations. And the next day I'm like, this sucks. I'm going to go like hide in a hole and like, <laughs> never do anything. again. <laughs> it just takes one angry customer to push you to that direction. Right. <laughs> or one nightmare car. <laughs> yeah. Or one nightmare car. No, I get it. The crew that you have right now is just looking real quick at, um, at the girls that you have there. And little Kim, so she's been your off and on painter and she was doing some other things too, but she sounds like she's a reluctant painter. Why is that? Sounds like she's a, I mean, her work is beautiful. Does she not feel that, you know, she's, that's her gift or does she think it's, I'm just doing this till I find out what my gift is. That's just, that's just her. We laugh. She doesn't really smile about much, but I, you can tell like deep down in the inside that there's like, you know, it's, it's like this like tough exterior, like I'm going to put on this act and I'm not going to care, but like deep down she does. <laughs> yeah. When it's all done, you almost catch her smiling, right? <laughs> I pop smiling and taking some photos a few times and she's, she's so good with like the other girls. Like I call her like my little paint shop manager. Like she's four foot nine and she's like the, you know, the old grumpy body man, like yelling at them all like this, like who didn't, sand their edges like this needs to be prepped better but like, she runs a tech them and like they 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 i'm really lucky like they work so well together and um she's great at like teaching them and guiding them and you know i always tell them like you you can ask me how to prep something but like kim's your painter so you know prep how your painter wants it you guys got to learn to work together you're prepping things for her to paint so you guys you know got to figure out your system you know the three of you so right. they're they're great. Oh, listen, a good painter needs to be like that. You know, I mean, you can't just paint over something that's not right because you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. Yeah. You don't want to yell at them. I mean, I've talked to lots of shop owners and lots of painters like, listen, that's your job. That's part of being a painter is quality control. If it's slipped through the cracks, it yeah. get, gets back into the paint department, then it's on you. If it slips through your crack, it goes to the uh, paint booth and you know there's a problem with it later then it's you know that's going to be a more expensive uh, repair at that point so yes exactly and i see them you know before something goes in a booth they've got their like flashlights and they're like checking everything over so and it's like it's like a, a unique challenge in a way where it's like you know a lot of them are still learning so like you're trying to balance that while also you know put, putting out a top-notch finish right so right. that's a challenge in amongst themselves where it's like okay what you did is okay but it's just not quite good enough for what we're doing now i know we're running low on time and i don't want to keep you too long here best parts and worst parts of having your own shop what's the best part 
the best part, I think is just like the, the freedom and, and the flexibility to kind of like live life on, on your own terms. Like I, I wake up every day. It doesn't feel like a job. I'm excited to, to go, I guess, like to work. Like some people might laugh, like laugh, like, you know, everyone wants to work remotely and go travel the world. It's like, I just want to build cars. So I get to wake up every day and live my dream and I get to do it around people that like I love and I just kind of get to like tailor my life the way I want. And if I want to go take a week off and go to Arizona, I can. Right. So just like the, the flexibility and the enjoyment, right. I'm not dealing with the, uh, I guess like the stress of like a boss coming down on me. I'm just have stresses in a different way. I guess. Yeah, no, you're doing it for you. And that's, I mean, yeah. that's, that's incredibly awesome because, you know, you don't have to please anybody but yourself. And, you know, you're doing exactly what your passion is, exactly what your love is. And you're right. When you do something you love, uh, you'll never work a day in your life. You may run your ass off every day and you may be stressed out, but you're not working. You're, you're living your dream, which is awesome. Uh, and I and I would recommend that to anybody that can to do that because I think during t COVID there was a lot of people that realized they weren't living their dream. They weren't working on their dream. They were working on somebody else's dream, and they made a shift out. And a lot of people started their own online, you know, or internet based companies, or they you know totally changed careers. Some of them worked out, some of them didn't. But I think it was a, it was a big awakening that a lot of people said, you know what, life could end at any time. Is this really what I want to be doing? You know, do I have a passion deep inside that I really feel like I should be doing this? And so what's the worst part of owning your own shop and <laughs> having an all women crew? There's got to be a there's got to be something in there that's like, oh, my God, I never expected this. I mean, with like with the all women, like the tears sometimes is like <laughs> it's a lot. It's like, OK, who's crying now? Who's upset about <laughs> who's <laughs> crying now? <laughs> but like. The side of that is like we also communicate our feelings very well, right? Where I find yeah. some like working with guys, like guys will go and gossip about each other, and there's never a confrontation. Like if, if we have a problem, if we're upset, like you're gonna know it. Like we're gonna say like, hey, like you did this, and I'm fucking pissed off, right? right. So, <laughs> there might be different tears, but like we work through it. So there's always an open line of communication. Um, I would say just like probably one of like the worst parts is like I said, like just being on all the time, like feel like sometimes you just can't switch off, especially like if you have a bad day, like something goes wrong, something messes up, a customer's not happy. Like you, you really like take that to heart. I find like when you work for someone else, you can go home and you can shut that off where when you have a business, like you don't, you're like, well, did I do this right? Like, well, this customer was upset and you're like replaying things over in your mind. So just like, kind of always having that pressure and I would say it can also be like a pretty lonely venture in a way right it's like yes I'm lucky that like I'm friends with the girls that I work with but they don't know what what I deal with right I think I read the quote about how like a, a, the job of a good leader is to like stop the shit before it trickles down onto everyone below so yeah. everyone is like everything's fine and dandy but like the pressure that you feel as like that first point of contact it's like yeah. it's, it's like it's hard to find people to like talk about it with that that can relate, right? Right. No, so you're, I, that's spot on. You're 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 the stopgap for everything. Everybody else can go home and go. You know what? I'll just worry about it tomorrow. But Hillary's going to go home and worry about it tonight and figure out how to fix it. Right. 
Yeah. And it, I do, I find it's like, especially hard where like, for me, I was a technician for 12 years before opening my business. So I have a lot of friends, like we work together, we were technicians together. And then when you make the move to being a business owner, it's like, suddenly there's kind of like this, this animosity where it's like, people perceive you as doing like better than, than they are because you made that move and have a business where it's like, but I'm not like, I'm struggling 10 times harder than you are. You are probably doing better than me, but now you're going to distance yourself because you think that like I'm above you in a way. So you kind of like, you'll lose touch with like a lot of people that you were friends with before having a business, but you'll also gain some new friends. So that, you know, that can, that can be tough too, where it's like, Hey, I just like, you're my friend. I just want to talk to you about what's going on, but they don't really want to like talk to you because whatever. So yeah, yeah, it can be, it can be isolating. So well, your your true friends don't leave you. So uh, your true friends are the ones that'll understand yeah. what you're doing. So yeah, you're gonna lose some people in your life, and you'll gain some people. So don't worry exactly. too much about that. So well, listen, it's been uh, it's been awesome talking to you. I'm so glad we got a chance to do this. Where can everybody find you? I know you're you're all over social media, but where's home for you? Where's where's the best place that if people want to reach out and they want to see what you're doing and they want to connect and and all that fun stuff, where's the best places to find Hillary? So you can find me on LinkedIn, um, Hillary Nowak, N-O-A-C-K. And I am also on Instagram. We're on Instagram, Facebook under uh, Ink and Iron Auto. So if you just type in Ink and Iron Auto, you can find our, I think, our YouTube, our Instagram, and Facebook. And you can always send me a DM through Instagram or Facebook or message me on LinkedIn with any questions. And I always try and go through my messages and get back to everyone. I have all that stuff. I will post it in the show notes so everybody has that opportunity. Hillary, it's been a, a real pleasure talking to you. I hope we can talk again. And thank you so much for spending time with us today. Congratulations. I'm happy for you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Well, that's all I had for you today. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Ink and Iron's founder, Hillary Nowak. She was super to talk to, very humble in her accomplishments. And I think what she's doing with her business and her crew is shining a positive light on the sometimes forgotten side of the Autobody Repair restoration. If you want to connect with Hillary or Ink and Iron Automotive, I'll leave all the links in today's show notes. Don't forget, there's still time to enter my 100th episode promotion. It's easy to register, easy to win. Just follow, rate, and review the show on Apple or Spotify and send me a screenshot of it. You might win some cool swag or a $50 Amazon gift card. Thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate your support. And I hope you have a great week. If you like this episode, please go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and rate it, share it, and leave a review. When you share this podcast with others, that's how we grow. And when the show grows, I can serve more people with my messages. I appreciate you, and I hope you have an awesome and productive week. I can always be reached at www.ricksillover.com, where you can find all my social media links, podcast episodes, blog posts, and much more. (laughs) 